Today, we're looking at the power of prayer. And prayer is something that has actually been around for a very long time. People have been praying to rocks and to bits of wood and, and golden calves and things for a very long time, imaginary gods. But, but even prayer to, to Yahweh, the, the true God, the one true God, has been going for thousands and thousands of years. For I, th- I think Abraham is where we're talking 4,000 years ago. So prayer is not a modern invention. Prayer has been going on for a very, very long time. However, what's really important, and I want to really start a conversation today, is that when Jesus came, everything changed. When Jesus came, prayer changed, and it changed very significantly, fundamentally, amazingly changed when Jesus came. And we cannot look at prayer through any lens or in any way, well, we can, but we shouldn't look at prayer in any way other than through the lens of the gospel. And it's so important to look at prayer through the lens of the gospel. And, and we can easily get wander off and get distracted and get distorted if we don't. And so if we think about the gospel, we think about what the gospel means. It was about God bringing love in flesh and blood, that bringing hope to humanity through Jesus. Jesus showed all of humanity a new way, a radically new way. He rescued us from being trapped in our sin and eternal judgment. And he made us right with God. And through Jesus, through that good news, we have been adopted into God's family. And we get to call him father, or or even more intimately, daddy. We have a new experience of God's goodness. Whether things are good or bad around us, we have a new experience through the gospel, through Jesus, of God's goodness. And we have experienced through Jesus and, and the gospel the kingdom of heaven with a promise that Jesus will actually come again and overcome all darkness when he comes again. Like the gospel is phenomenal and amazing. We've sung about it. We've heard about it. There's a lot. But we really need to make sure that our focus and our understanding of prayer is through the lens, and I'm going to call them gospel glasses. We've got to look through gospel glasses. Now, I joked with Joan and chatted to her before the service today when she jumped on. Um, we've, we've joked about how much uh, references are to seeing. And uh, Joan now, who temporarily doesn't have her eyesight, I'm convinced one way or another God's going to do something about that for Joan. Um, And I'll keep praying in in power about that. In the meantime, I should say, Joan has lots of references uh, said to her referring to seeing, and she obviously can't see temporarily. So so I apologize, Joan, uh, for, for referring to seeing, but I'm talking about putting on our gospel glasses spiritually to look at prayer. Now, I'm only going to use one verse this morning or reference or or found things in one verse, but there are many, many others that reflect the same idea. And what I'm looking at today is James 5, the second half of verse 16. And what it says is, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Or in the ESV, it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I'm going to pull this part in three parts. It's only a short sentence, 
but there's three significant themes. And the first is obviously we're talking about prayer. And prayer is just communion with God. Not just communion with God. It is communion with God. It's talking with God. Now, looking through our gospel lens, God is no longer distant. He's no longer a judge, but is like a close father. Ephesians 3.12 says, in him, that's Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Approaching God with confidence. Now, the use of the word confidence in this place, sometimes we can get a bit distracted with that word. We can sometimes think of it as arrogance or cockiness. It's definitely not the case. And the two words that are used in confidence in these two passages are actually different words. The first one is a reference to trust and reliance. So it's a confidence that you can trust and rely on God. And the second one is one of freedom of speech, free of fear, unreserved and assurance when we approach God. So we're not talking about uh, approaching God with arrogance or cockiness. We're talking about the Lord of the universe, right? So please don't misunderstand me. But as a father, we get to approach God with a beautiful confidence in that we can trust God when we come to him in prayer. We're not like spoiled brats. We're, we're also not like talking to a policeman who's pulled, over, pulled you over while driving. You know, it's, it's, it's a different sort of conversation. I would, I would suggest I wouldn't be talking arrogantly or cocky to that policeman, but that's not how we approach God. We're approaching God in prayer, in conversation with our heavenly dad. That's the gospel lens. That's what Jesus has enabled us to do. And it's no wonder that when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, don't put on a show for others. Don't pray with fancy long prayers. Prayer is communing with God with trust, reliance, freedom of speaking, free from fear, and assurance of God's intimacy and attention. We must approach prayer from that way. Approaching prayer through gospel glasses. But this verse in James isn't just talking about prayer. There's a catch. It's a prayer of a righteous person. Now, if you know me, or if I knew you well, we would know our actions are sometimes not particularly righteous. And, and I'm sure we could joke and point out things about each other that aren't particularly righteous. I'm sure you could do that about me for sure. Paul actually even reminds us of that. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no righteous, no, not one. That's it done. Let's give up on prayer because none of us are righteous. We're doomed. We have this confidence to pray to our heavenly dad, but we're flawed because our prayers are useless because we're not righteous. Gospel glasses, people, gospel glasses. We've got to look at this through gospel glasses. In the very same passage that Paul talks to us about no one is righteous, he also says this. This is Romans 3, 22 to 24. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ 
for all who believe. There is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, that is made right, by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So in our sin, we are unrighteous, but in Christ, we have been made righteous through faith in Jesus. So the prayer of a righteous person is not a prayer of a perfect person, a person who's been good, a person who impresses God, a person who's followed the right rituals. That's not the gospel. God doesn't want our performance. He wants our trust. Trust in Jesus. Trust in prayer. Trust in your circumstances. Trust even in your failings. Trust in him growing you. Trust in his good plan. The prayer of a righteous person is the prayer of anyone who believes, who has faith in Jesus Christ. You see, once we understand prayer and being righteous, the power part is actually a no-brainer. It's actually an obvious outcome of the first two when we think about things with gospel glasses. So we have this idea of prayer that was completely smashed apart when Jesus came to earth because he made a way of us having intimacy with the Father, direct access and adoption into the family. But he didn't stop there because through his death and resurrection, he actually made us right. He made us righteous. God's righteousness was applied to us, not by our abilities, not by what we've done, but as a gift of grace. And our response is to believe and receive. And so once we have the first two parts, communion as children of God and trusting him and the righteousness that we've been given, the result is powerful and effective prayer. It's actually not that complicated. We get so caught up with so many other things about the, the way we pray, the words we use, whether we're kneeling or standing, uh, whether we've done something earlier in the day that was, uh, that was sinful and, and short, confess your sins, that's biblical, that's great. But in terms of the important things, it's to trust and believe. When we trust him, we shift our thinking and our own ideas and agendas, and we come into alignment with God. We actually change the way we think about things. Because if the gospel is the focus, then it no longer becomes about us. It becomes about God. When we come to pray, we come to pray with a gratitude and a, and a sense of receiving, not a sense of demanding or a shopping list. We come and say, God, you've already established everything that I need. The gospel is the, is the best thing I have in my life. And therefore, when I come to pray, I come gratefully and coming say, saying, God, I want your plans. I want your purposes. We can pray with freedom and we can trust God with no performances and no fancy words. No need to impress him. Check out the rest of what James says in this passage. So I've, I've referred to, to verse 15. 
But starting at verse 13 in James 5, look at this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And what is singing praise? Praying to God in song. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, right? Not because the elders are magical, but because the name of the Lord is great. And the prayer of faith, trusting God, will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Can you see the gospel oozing out of this verse? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Elijah was a man with a nature like our own. What he's saying is he was a sinner too. He wasn't perfect. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Do you see this picture? When you look at prayer through the lens of the gospel, things change. Because it's not about our performance. It's about a God that is powerful. You know what? I am sick of lies and distorted thinking getting in the way of people praying in power. We put things in the way of us praying in power. Do you know, the gospel tells me that God is not putting blockages up between us and him. He's actually smashing block blockages between us and God. The gospel tells me that he has smashed the blockages that get us in the way of God. Why do we put blockages back up when God smashed them down already? The gospel tells me that God has created a way for us to commune with him personally. The gospel tells me that God has said that my sins are forgiven through what Jesus did on the cross. Why do I keep letting my sin get in the way? Why do I keep getting my false idea about God get in the way of praying in power? We really need to reclaim prayer as followers of Jesus. We need to reclaim praying Trusting God, not trusting ourselves. Let's reclaim praying as those righteous in Christ, not righteous in our own well-crafted words. Let's reclaim praying that is powerful and effective. Not because of me, but because of the power of the gospel that's alive in me. That is our posture to pray. And that is why we can look at this passage, simple passage in James. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That is you and I. He is talking about you and I, because in Christ you have been made righteous. So pray knowing that it is powerful and effective. Pray trusting God. You know, I, I've prayed many times and seen instant results. I've also prayed many times and seen no results. I've prayed many times and felt so close to God. And I've prayed many times and wondered if he was hearing me. I've, I've prayed many times with 
heaps of faith. And I've been, I've prayed many times with not even believing the words coming out of my mouth, let alone believing that God would do something about it. There's ups and downs in prayer. Prayer is personal. It's relational. And there's ups and downs and highs and lows. But it's not about me. The power is not my power. The effectiveness is not my effectiveness. The righteousness is not my righteousness. And even the prayer is a gift that God's given me. We have been blessed. We have been given so much. We've been given the righteousness. We've been given the power. We've been given the effectiveness. And we've even been given the prayer. And yet we shelve all of them because we believe silly things in our heads. We put blockages there that Jesus has smashed. I can tell you with confidence that the prayer of a righteous mat is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous birthday mel is powerful and effective. The prayer of Noel is powerful and effective. I could go around and say that to every single one of you. But I've got to tell you, though, there's one piece of the puzzle that the ball is in our court. All four of those things were given to us freely. God asks us for our trust. God asks us to believe. It's the same picture that's in the gospel. Jesus says, what I want you to do is repent and believe. And in some ways, it's just saying, believe and believe. Because repentance says, my own way is not the right way. I'm trusting God's way. And so that's basically saying, God, I trust your way, not mine. I'm repenting. I'm changing my ways to your ways, not mine. And believing says, I'm trusting your ways, not mine. So repenting and believing is trust. And I'm convinced that that's the one piece of the puzzle that we bring to the picture is trust. I could share hundreds of stories about prayer and about the power of prayer, the effectiveness of prayer. You can go to scripture and you can see hundreds of stories about prayer and we can learn and understand different ways people prayed, different things people prayed for. But at the end of the day, we want to say, your will, not mine, God. I trust you. That is the gospel. It's not by works. It's not by power. It's by the spirit. We are not saved by our abilities and we don't pray by our abilities. Let's not put blockages in the way of what God has smashed through the gospel. Now, I really want to give an opportunity for people to acknowledge this and to respond to this. You may want to do that in your own way, in your own place, but part of being community is to do that together as well. I'm going to do it corporately now, but if you personally 
If you personally feel like there is a blockage between you and God and you're not sure what it is, you're not sure how it got there, first of all, I can tell you it's not God. God doesn't put blockages between you and him. But there are things that either we or ideas that we've been given that can put blockages between us and God. And God doesn't want them there. Beautiful. So let's pray. Let's pray. Do you believe we can pray? Yes. Thank you. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your gospel. Jesus, we declare you Lord and Savior right now. You are our hope. You are our freedom. You are our rescuer. Lord, we stand here and we pray to our Heavenly Father, to Daddy, only because of you. And we thank you and we praise you for that. Lord, we acknowledge that we desperately need you because we are weak. We make mistakes. We stuff things up. We look to other sources for strength. We thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Right now, right here, Lord God, we celebrate and rejoice the grace and mercy you have poured over our lives, that you have made us right before you. You have poured your righteousness into our lives, that we are not seen by our sin, but we are clean before you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that. And we continue to celebrate that in our lives. But Lord, we come, you, come to you today and we know you have done everything possible. We know you have done everything necessary to smash everything between us and you. And so, Lord, we say again, have your way. Lord, I pray for everybody present here, Lord, that you would break anything, that you would smash anything that comes between them and you. Lord, we thank you that you've already done it. But Lord, we pray if there's thoughts, if there's ideas, if there's, if there's attitudes, if there's things in people's lives, Lord God, patterns of behavior that they feel like is getting in, in the way between them and you, Lord God, we just pray that you will do what you've already done on the cross, that you will heal, that you will restore, that you will redeem, that you will embrace your children. I especially pray for those, Lord God, who are struggling, believing right now. Lord, I thank you that you have such a soft place for them in your heart. I thank you, Lord God, that you love those who even doubt, Lord God. Lord God, give them a double portion today, Father, of assurance. Give them a double portion this morning, Lord God of the sense of intimacy of of you, of your love, of your presence with them, Lord God. Lord, I pray you would remind each one by your spirit in power and effectiveness right now, Lord God, that you are present, that you hear, and that you have made a way. Lord God, we love you. Lord God, we adore you and we surrender to you. And we do declare, Lord God, that we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.